0: You're listening to The Feed.
1: This is The Feed.
0: This is The Feed. The Feed. You're listening to The
2: Feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to The Feed in Vaughan.
1: In
3: Stouffville.
2: In Woodbridge. In Unionville.
0: You're listening to 105.9 The Region. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and this is The Feed, We are York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues and events that matter to all of us who live and work here. Coming up on the show, a fitness boot camp to boost your metabolism. We hit the hardwood with the Harlem Globetrotters and stick around for details of your chance to win tickets to their Toronto show. But we begin with a look ahead to World Autism Day. World Autism Day is April 2nd, and to tell us more about this internationally recognized day is Chantelle Palmerlo, and she's from Autism Canada. Chantelle, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Before we get into World Autism Day, let's begin with what is autism?
2: So autism spectrum disorder, or autism, is a neurodevelopmental disorder that impacts brain development, causing most individuals to experience uh, communication differences sometimes difficulties with social interaction, and a tendency to repeat specific patterns of behavior.
0: And when is it diagnosed?
2: You know what, that is all over the place. Mm. Uh, Many times there are folks who are diagnosed early in the school age, which is where you start seeing that observable behavior. But uh, due to wait lists and many people falling through the cracks with a shortage of services, uh, there are many people who have to wait until adulthood to get that official diagnosis.
0: And there is no official cause of autism, is there?
2: No. I know scientists and research, researchers are dedicating a lot of time to that, um, but you know, every person is so unique, and there isn't one cause for autism. Can you
0: tell us a bit about Autism Canada?
2: Absolutely. So Autism Canada is a national charitable organization that has been the hub of knowledge on ASD, or Autism Spectrum Disorder, in Canada since 1976. So typically, um, you know, overall, we like to encourage the, the sharing of best practices across provincial and territorial boundaries. We like to promote national dialogue on the most effective strategies for building equitable access to funding and services.
0: And why did you get involved? Do you have a personal story to share?
2: Yes, actually, my I have twin brothers, and they were diagnosed on the autism spectrum when they were just three years old. So growing up with them, being under the same roof with them, and uh, seeing their journey from being without words at three years old to thriving and graduating high school at 18, it's been a fantastic learning experience for me, and they are phenomenal uh, young men.
0: I can hear the pride in your voice, and that's just wonderful to listen to. If our listeners want information about Autism Canada and the services it provides, where can they go, and what kind of services are available to them?
2: So listeners can visit autismcanada.org to learn more about our organization and also to access resources, including printable resources, such as the Medical Alert Autism Programme, which helps to keep people in the autism spectrum safe in emergency situations by wearing a medical alert ID. They can visit Autism Junction, which is our largest autism service directory, where you can search for autism-friendly services by postal code. You can look at our national event calendar if you'd like to register for autism workshops, trainings, and conferences. And you can also access one of our 350 pages of autism information in both English and French
0: Now, Chantelle, we began our conversation about World Autism Day, which is just around the corner. It's April 2nd. How did the day come about?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. In in 2008, the United Nations established this day to raise awareness about folks on the spectrum throughout the world. And at Autism Canada, we, we like to call it Autism Awareness and Acceptance Day, because with greater understanding, there's greater acceptance. And ultimately, the goal is inclusion. We want people on the spectrum feeling safe, feeling understood, and also having the accessibility to participate in society.
0: Is there a theme for Autism
2: Day? The United Nations theme for 2019 is Assistive Technologies, Active Participation.
0: Okay, what does that mean?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so so they, they really want to reduce or eliminate barriers to participation. They want to increase independent living and ensure that voices are heard. So just to give you an example for each, eliminating barriers to participation. There's a wonderful app out there right now called Magnus Cards, and it provides storyboards for everyday life skills and participation in activities. When it comes to independent living, we know that there's smart home technology. And when it comes to ensuring that all voices are heard, we want to think about political participation and advocacy, so offering folks that text-to-speech or speech-to-text software so that they can submit their input and ideas. Prevalence rates show that autism is increasing, whether or not that is due to a natural increase or whether that's just greater awareness. So we're seeing one in 68 uh, folks on the spectrum being diagnosed every year. And um, this means that you will work with someone on the autism spectrum. Children will have peers in their classroom who are on the autism spectrum, and they're in our everyday environment, um, in our community. We need to make sure that we are understanding, so that we can provide accommodations and the support and the inclusion, and just that acceptance, uh, so that they can participate as fully as we do. What was it
0: like for your brothers? If you can share that with us, um, you know, did, were they always accepted? Did they always feel comfortable? Uh, how did they become? quote-unquote, successful? Because you said they began as, you know, they're twin boys, three years old, nonverbal, and, you know, they're, here they are now. They're thriving. They've graduated high school. How did that happen?
2: Mm-hmm. So sadly, when they were in elementary school, they faced a lot of bullying, and I think partly it was due to the age. You know, the students in the classes were really young. Um, they didn't really know much about autism. This is also over 10 years ago. So they faced a lot of bullying. Um, but as they got into high school, I think that's when the dialogue started. And we had a lot of uh one-to-one play therapies. We, we converted actually two rooms in our house to play rooms where we had social workers come in and occupational therapists and work on life skills and social skills and organize play dates so that they could really hone in on those skills in a safe, comfortable, predictable environment because the outside world is... Not always that way. And so I think through the years, not only did they get to know their skill set, their strengths, and also their struggles, just like we all have, um, but also the folks around them became more aware as well.
0: Are there signs to look for? You know, what advice do you give to parents?
2: So when parents to come, come to us about um, autism, it really is a spectrum. So no two people will show the same characteristics or signs, but it really depends on the age. So when we're looking at, you know, um, a general overview, strengths exhibited by individuals with autism often include nonverbal reasoning skills or reading skills, art, computer interests, exceptional memory, visual-spatial skills, and music skills. But things to look out for um, are particularly sensory processing differences. So when we think about the five senses, uh, say, just vision um, on its own. You know, if there, there are children walking in a, a brightly lit mall, those fluorescent lights may cause them a lot of discomfort. They might squint their eyes. They might uh, cover their ears uh, when there's loud noises or they're in crowds. You know, the, the senses are often heightened for folks on the spectrum. Um, there might be communication delays. Uh, we talked about the repetitive behaviors. So repetitive behaviors or stimming is often to self-regulate. Uh, it can be very soothing. They might exhibit repetitive behavior like spinning a toy in, in, a, in the same circle over and over again when they're either upset as a way to calm themselves down or even when they're happy and that's a way to express excitement. And those are just some of the characteristics that you might see in someone on the spectrum.
0: Chantel, thank you for sharing your personal story with us and your work experience with Autism Canada. If our listeners want to connect with you directly through Autism Canada, how do they do that?
2: Please visit autismcanada.org or follow at Autism Canada on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn.
0: You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region. If you're a mom, you know that life is a juggling act, and sometimes the stress of doing it all becomes too much. Christy Laverty is next with an author and mom of three sets of twins, yeah, you heard me right, who says there are
3: ways to keep the stress level low and the kids happy. So today we're talking about parenting and the invisible labor, particularly for mothers and stress that comes along with that. And we know that while today's dads are doing more at home than previous generations, moms are still shouldering a lot of the work in the household duties and also outside of the house. And we've prefaced this with a recent study published uh, earlier this year in the journal sex Roles, and it looked at this imbalance and of the moms and that they uh, talk to researchers talk to almost 90% say they are solely responsible for their family schedule and a number of elements like, you know, kids, teacher school, all of that family stuff. So we wanted to talk to somebody who knows probably all too well about that invisible labor. Fran Petrie is an author and a mother of three sets of twins. My goodness. That is a challenge. Fran, thanks for joining us. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. So maybe we can kind of go back to this and talk about three sets of twins. That comes with some serious special challenges.
4: Yes, as a matter of fact, it does. And I I can only speak from my own personal challenges, having never had a single child. All of my kids, in fact, came in uh, Pop-Tart packs of two. And um, I do have these also special uh, situation where I have each combination of set of twins. My first uh, set of twins are my girls that came along first, my little girls, followed by four years later a boy-girl set of twins, and then seven years after that came along my boys. So I've had every combination of twins, and I do understand um, all the challenges that come with raising three boys and three girls, That are all individuals, even though they came in packs of two, very, very much individuals with lots of different challenges in in, and of themselves individually, um, with different goals, different uh, uh, strengths and weaknesses. And I've had to basically kind of take care of all of them while I have a husband who has been very, very hands on. He's also been very busy, you know, with his life and, 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 and providing for all of us for the most part.
3: And interesting, you wrote a book. Twins times three. You know, talk to us a little bit about what you shared in the book and why you decided to write a book about your experience.
4: Well, in the very beginning, I found that uh, journaling, just kind of keeping a diary um, during the early days of my first pregnancy, kind of helped me get through it. I had a, I had a difficult time. I had to go on um, early bed rest because of preterm labor. So, long story short, my journaling progressed along through each pregnancy, and uh, by the third pregnancy, I realized that I had kept such detailed accounts of my experiences, my thoughts, the funny and the not-so-funny situations that a book was actually in the process of being born, along with my third set of twins.
3: So I can imagine that being a parent is challenging for all of us. I think it comes with those extra challenges for parents of multiples, so... For parents of multiples to to be able to read along with you and share those experiences and maybe learn a few nuggets along the way in that book must be really special.
4: well, i, I you know I, I felt that i the experiences that I went through really weren't just for me. Um, I just felt very compelled to share what had gone on with me, everything from being told that I was having a high risk pregnancy and everything that entailed. Um, all the way through delivering early a bit each of my sets of twins, which was challenging in itself as well, um, with preemie babies, and then taking home brand-new babies that, you know, my my appreciation for sleep was just never (laughs) like it was when I couldn't have any in those early days. So I, I began to blog and to write down all these details of what I've gone through in, in, in an effort to try to comfort and support other mothers as well, which is why, uh, in addition to my book, I have a blog.
3: Talk to us about how you managed to de-stress, I mean, with six kids. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes along with six kids, so maybe share some, some nuggets of wisdom with us on how you manage some of that invisible labor of motherhood and the stress that comes along with that. Well,
4: certainly, and that's, I mean, that's an excellent point, And it's a and it's a lot of... Very interesting you know uh perspectives you get from one mother to the next, but I have to admit that I was that mom that wanted to be that perfect representation of motherhood um I, my definition of motherhood was to put the most perfect step forward and always represent you know our family as always got everything going and just you know all the all the uh the pots are going just as they should on the stove. Well, I also did find as the years went by that I was putting incredible pressure on myself and it was not something that i could maintain or sustain on any long-term basis so my definition of perfect motherhood was redefined and i and i realized that when i did not take on extra work when i didn't need to i was calmer and when i was calmer my children picked up on my mood and they weren't you know picking up on the mood of a mother that was stressed out and tense and and always trying to demand, you know, of herself and of her children, of her family, you know, more than she should. So, um, take the take the path that's less, of less resistance. Don't don't try to overdo it. It's okay every once in a while for your child to have a bowl of cereal for dinner. It's okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Our house doesn't have to be completely immaculate seven days a week all the time. We need to have those times where we can get out of the house too, as as women and moms. find something to allow that stress to be released as well, because we do try to maintain and we do have a lot on our plates. So I find that exercise, um, getting in a good walk every day, I find that just getting in the car, going to the grocery store and singing to loud music (laughs) is an enormous stress-reducer for me, Um, and nothing is more healing for me when it comes to stress is getting enough sleep.
3: Yeah, sleep is key. And of course, we know when the, the kiddos are really small, we don't tend to get enough of it. You know, how much of this do you think is maybe moms, like you said, putting too much pressure on themselves. I'm a mom of two. And um I think, you know, I like you when they were younger, you know, I felt that pressure of, you know, having to keep up appearances and making it seem like I was, you know, the perfect mom and casting aside that advice of sleep while the baby sleeps. um, You know, I was the, the, the mom doing the laundry and cleaning while the, you know, my daughters were napping and doing the dishes and prepping dinner. And, you know, you do find burnout at a certain point.
4: Absolutely. Now there's also the argument that when, you know, you don't stay on top of things that also can cause stress as well. So I think there's a there's a fine line you sort of have to walk there and kinda of keep a a medium there where, you know, you feel like you're on top of enough to where maybe the clothes are clean. Maybe they're not all folded. You know, dinner is planned out. Maybe it doesn't have to be on the table at six. Um, but you know, there's ways to to still manage and get through the things that need to get through without putting undue pressure on yourself. I also find that day what really adds a lot of pressure to mothers and women is just social media and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to make ourselves look so perfect. We all have that family that we know that, you know, they have those beautiful beach pictures where everyone's dressed alike and everything looks perfect and everything mm-hmm. that they represent themselves online is absolutely perfect. Well, that's a standard that very few can actually try to, you know, to meet and to look at themselves and wonder what's wrong with them. Um, you know, I, I I find that even with while I've been promoting my book and having my blog, I've found that so much more positive feedback is given to me when I put myself out there as real. Hmm. I'm a mistake maker. I'm someone who, you know, yeah, they had frozen pizza twice this week, but that's Okay. You know, because we're gonna, you know, we <laughs> they have vegetables and lots of fresh fruit too. So, um, you know, there's just we all have to understand that life is difficult. You know, today their moms still do work and are our, mo- our mothers at the same time. I know that I freelanced from my home for many, many years while I had little children. So I was a working stay-at-home mom, and I had demands on me that were enormous at times. Um, but you know what? You just have to sort of take it as it goes. Don't try to put yourself out as perfect because no one is and it's not something that you should do that to yourself. So, you know, enjoy your children, enjoy um letting them help you fold the laundry even if they don't do a really good job of it. It's okay. You can make, make it into something fun. It doesn't have to be perfect.
3: Tell us where we can find a little bit more about you and read more about your experiences.
4: Wonderful. Well, my website is franpetrie.com. So F R A N P I T R E dot com. That is my website where you can find all my blog articles on everything from from early pregnancy for with multiples all the way through sending your twins off to college and everything in between. And as well, there's a link right on the home page to my book where they can purchase my book Twins Times Three.
3: Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, again, it's, you know, one of those things as being moms, it's it's always a work in progress and certainly making sure that we are, are taking care of ourselves as well as our families.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Christy, so much for having me on. I so appreciate it.
0: This is the feed on 105.9 The Region. If you missed any part of our show, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. If your New Year started with a resolution to eat better and get healthy, and now three months into 2019, that game plan, it's a distant memory. Well, our next story could get you back on track. Afwa now with the nutrition tips.
5: March is nutrition month and we all know that nutrition sometimes is that difficult topic that we can have because it sometimes, quite frankly, is hard uh, to maintain a healthy eating lifestyle. But I have the perfect person here to give us uh, some good tips to help us get on that nutrition bandwagon and make it a consistent um, healthy lifestyle for us. Joining me to chat today is Nancy Bevilacqua who is a registered diet Nancy, how are you doing today?
6: I'm great. Thank you very much for inviting me to this interview.
5: Perfect. And you know what? Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Nutrition is a very, uh, (laughs) for me, difficult (laughs) but needed topic. So let's get into it. Uh, March is Nutrition Month. What are then some tips you can provide us in order to maintain that healthy eating lifestyle? Because it's so hard sometimes.
6: It certainly is difficult with all the information that we hear uh, from many angles out there about food and nutrition. Um, so yes, the theme of this year's Nutrition Month is Unlock the Potential of Food, which I think is a great topic, um, because food has the prevent- uh, the potential to uh, provide us with fuel, to heal us, to help prevent diseases. And really just to bring us together and enjoy food, which is one of the common messages of the new Canada Food Guide. Uh, so I think that's a great message that people can begin with, is just to follow the new food guide and really take a look at all of the messages that it conveys about healthy eating and disease prevention
5: perfect. And so then, how do we get started? I know they always say you got to eat healthy, you got to eat healthy. What can we do to actually take that first step? Do we just sort of go go, go cold turkey on all junk food? Do we do an an easy transition into healthy eating? Uh, how can we how can we get started?
6: Well, I think it's always small steps that really are the most effective and likely um, to continue on if you do change your habits. It's often very difficult to recreate <laughs> uh, something. It's always better to take small steps perhaps making one or two goals. Uh, one of the main messages of Canada's Food Guide is to eat plenty of fruits and vegetables and although that message sounds so simple, it's very difficult for most Canadians to do is to really make that the emphasis of our diet. So that's certainly an area that I think most people can maybe just think about how they can incorporate more fruits and vegetables throughout their day.
5: All right. So then instead of just saying, I'm going to I don't know, start eating kale 7 times a week. I maybe maybe generally slowing it down and easing into it. Your that is your best advice in terms of us getting on the right track um to eating healthy.
6: Yeah, I think so. I think it's let's say one just plans their day ahead of time and um you know, it's always good to think about the planning because that's one way to eat healthier. It's very difficult to eat healthy if you're not planning it in advance, because as we plan, we plan our grocery list, uh, we think about it a little bit more, which is part of being mindful, and um, being mindful of what we're eating is one of the main messages of Canada's food guide as well. Um, I think the food guide is very uh, good at acknowledging that it's not only what we're eating, but also the how, and so just being mindful and planning our meals in advance uh, really does uh, make a difference in healthy eating.
5: What then, because it happens all the the time in life, uh, what then are the biggest hurdles with eating healthy? I think if you ask most Canadians,
6: they'll probably say they have a lack of time. Time is the biggest factor uh, preventing people to really, you know, dive into healthy eating habits And so we find ourselves on the run, uh, eating out more, stopping and buying those highly processed foods. So I would say that is number one. I think another issue is just often the lack of healthy options. Like our food environment, I don't believe really supports uh, healthy eating uh, very much. I think we've come a long way. Still, it is oftentimes very difficult to find healthy choices, and it's often outnumbered by not-so-healthy options. And so there's a lot of competition, and there's a lot of marketing of these unhealthier uh, options, and that makes healthy eating very difficult.
5: Okay, so then definitely time. Um, yes, and I think that one is is one of the key ones. Time escapes us so quickly, and before you know it, you're hitting a drive through and don't have the time to actually uh, make that dinner that you probably intended on doing, and then you just don't get around to doing it because the time is gone, basically.
6: Time is a factor, and then again, it goes back to um, thinking about your week ahead, making the plan. Um The plan always helps because if you don't have that plan in place, most likely you are probably gonna go through that drive through or pick up something that is uh, not as healthy um, you know eating less fruits and vegetables like if if you're not planning it ad- in advance, that certainly will have an impact.
5: Let's talk about cost as well then? Because eating healthy can can be quite expensive. Do you have any um, practical economical uh, tips on being able to eat healthy while also not uh, going broke? (laughs) Uh,
6: I guess um, it's interesting because, you know, if you think about it, eating out is actually not cheap either, right? And if Mm -hmm. one is continuously eating out, they're still spending quite a bit on their food dollar. Um, and I think studies show that as Canadians, we tend to spend quite a bit on eating out. Uh, so I think it comes back again to the whole planning your meals, eating more at home, uh, cooking more often. Again, that is another messages, message that is being emphasized in Canada's Food Guide, is cooking more often. Usually when we're eating more meals from home, we're, we're spending less money on our food dollar and we have a lot more control of what we're eating. Uh, hence, we probably will be eating healthier if we're eating more foods from home. Uh, but when we look at other ways to sort of help um, with cutting down on the food, on uh, the money we spend on food, uh, we can always look at eating more plant-based. Uh, so, you know, we know that meats and um uh, if we're buying animal-based foods, those tend to be more expensive. We can, uh, use more plant-based proteins like beans, chickpeas, lentils, which is also being emphasized in the food guide. I think that's a way to reduce the food dollar. Uh, as well as buying local produce when it is, um, buying, when it is available. Buying local is another way. Uh, Also, if you want to reduce the amount of money you spend on fruits and vegetables, you can buy canned and uh, frozen or other options if you find that the fresh produce tends to be expensive at certain times of the year.
5: All right, great, great tips there. And I think they will they do go a long way, especially with um swapping out for animal based protein for plant based protein. That's definitely a really big tip because they're they're not that expensive and of course um they have a longer shelf life if you will. So if you take in that planning tip into account, that can also go a long way.
6: Definitely. I would agree with that. And it's uh one of the messages of the food guide as I mentioned is to eat more plant based. Not only is it cheaper, but also healthier because you're getting more fiber in your diet. You're getting less saturated fat, which is uh, the type of fat that's not good for our heart.
5: And so then let's talk about the new food guide then. it's It's been a long time coming since it's been revamped. What are your thoughts on it? Um, do you think that it's, it's bang on that this is the way that it should be moving forward um, with what Canadians should be eating on a daily basis?
6: I am very excited about the new Canada Food Guide. I was very, very happy to see how they laid it out, the emphasis on vegetables and fruit, and just the, the change from sort of talking about portion sizes to now looking at more of a proportion of our day. Uh, I think it does a great job at really showing Canadians what it means to be healthy, to be choosing whole grain foods, uh, the emphasis on uh, water as your main beverage. Uh, but what I'm also very excited about is the fact that this food guide not only talks about the foods that we should be eating, but it also discusses the how of eating, being mindful, enjoying our food, uh, eating meals with others, cooking more often, I think these are all great messages that play into how healthy our diet can be.
5: Nancy, where can listeners go for more information if they want to contact you? Um, if they need help getting on that right um, eating health, health lifestyle, where can they go?
6: Sure. Uh, there's lots of information on the website called Unlock Food. Uh, it's unlockfood.ca. Um, there's plenty of information on healthy eating there. Uh, one can also visit Dietitians of Canada website which is dietitians.ca and there if they want to access the services of a dietitian they're able to uh, search for a dietitian in their area. Uh, the other option is to go to york.ca forward slash nutrition and there again there would be information and uh, based on various ages and stages that they could find. Uh, if one wants to speak to a dietitian at no cost, you can always call Telehealth. So it's one eight six six seven nine seven zero 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 zero. The website where they can get Canada Food Guide: Canada.ca/slash/guide.
5: Perfect. Thank you so much, Nancy, for taking the time to speak with us on uh, Nutrition Month and um, giving us some good practical tips on how to maintain that healthy eating lifestyle. I think just with a little bit of planning and some commitment and some hope, um, but some good practical hope, we can maintain a healthy eating lifestyle. Thanks so much. Yeah,
6: my pleasure. Thank you.
0: You're listening to the feed on 1059 The Region. Now that you're eating right, what about finding the motivation and energy to improve your physical health? Go Girl Boot Camp in Markham may be exactly what you need to
5: get moving. It's a boot camp run by women for women, and it's called the Go Girls Boot Camp. And joining me to chat today about what it's all about is the owner, also a personal trainer, Lena Della Serra. Lena, how are you doing today?
7: I'm very good. Thank you.
5: Wonderful. Of course. So, tell us about Go Girl Boot Camp. What is it all about? Um, how did this idea come about first off?
7: Okay. Well, I have to tell you, Go Girl has been around uh, in Markham, actually, for just over 10 years. It was started by a gentleman called Dan Go. And myself and uh, my co-owners, uh, Yishin Lo and Pamela Sato, were members of the boot camp at that time. and. He started out, you know, small with uh, going out to parks and then sort of brought it inside as, as, you know, the weather, the way it can be in Canada. And from there, uh, it just grew into what it is today, where we have over 350 women members, full-time members. We're in a 5,000-square-foot um, industrial space in Markham, just off of Riviera Drive, and uh, it started off basically with challenges and, and Dan geared it to weight loss, but I think in in a lot of ways has grown into a lot more. Um, we train women of all ages, all uh, different fitness levels, from the beginner uh, person who's never worked out to we actually have people that we consider athletes. Um, one of our, our members just competed in the Pan Am Games, and uh, won a silver and bronze in jiu-jitsu. So we've got women from all different ages, cultural backgrounds, social backgrounds, fitness levels, all coming together um, in our gym. And my two partners and myself bought uh, Go Girl last year. We were the trainers, and Dan had... Gone on and moved on to become, um, to do online training for men only. Uh, So uh, we just felt that when he was uh, wanting to move on, having been uh, members there with an amazing community that we feel is very encouraging and supportive, that we couldn't see the community sort of. dissipate so we decided to uh, take it on ourselves as we had been trainers there for a few years so we had started as members and then became trainers ourselves so
5: wow so 10 years of of personal stories of just different people coming in and out and yeah. just uh, so much accomplishments coming over the decade of of go girl, girl boot camp operating
7: absolutely I mean you said stories there, and I think that was really one of the things that we are so passionate about, the the, the women that come there and what they, you know, we all know what, what a woman has on her plate, and uh, they come in with their stories, some of them health issues, some of them just, you know, having raised families and trying to find that time for themselves and what they're able to accomplish in a very short time. So, a lot of times we attract the person that wants to lose weight and wants to get fit but in a lot of ways it's not just about the body it becomes how strong they get mentally the confidence that they acquire and i think in a lot of ways it's just connecting with yourself and finding that you have the power to change anything in your life and if you give yourself that time um, again with the right plan um, and with the support and the community, you can achieve a lot. And that's why it went from being Go Girl Boot Camps to, be, to being called the Transformation um, Center, because we saw people transform their lives in so many different ways, you know, and I think the confidence that comes from making a change in your life, again, whether it be a physical change, um, it has impact in all areas, of your life and then also the people around you.
5: And I'm going to piggyback on that word there, transformation. How have you um, now being the owner, you were once a member and now owner, seen the transformation in other women who have come through the Go Girl Boot Camp doors? How have you seen them transform, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally?
7: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of women start there, you know, saying that they want to lose weight, but... Again, uh, I think that there's something deeper there where they decide that they need to do something for themselves, right? And I've seen women, you know, that maybe they've, a lot of women have lost jobs or have found a transition or maybe have gone through a divorce, have lost someone in their life and decide that their health needs to become a priority, that they need to become a priority with themselves. And we watch them as, as they get stronger physically as they start to be able to do things that they've never been able to do before. We, we also take a, a team out and we do the Spartan races um, here in Toronto, the Spartan Spring. So we start to train for that. And to be able to overcome, you know, physical obstacles gives them the confidence, the power and and uh, to take on other things in their lives. So often we'll see women that you know like i said uh, losing a job and then really finding that confidence to make that change in their life to maybe go after a career that they were uh maybe didn't have the confidence to do before and in some ways this the boot camp was that for me because i came to the boot camp after i i had another job i i worked the film industry and and uh, the boot camp gave me a community and a place to sort of put energy while I try to to sort myself out. But uh, from there grew a passion, which has now turned into a new um, venture for myself. Right? I call it my second act. So.
5: It's. Good that I think you've seen both sides of it, and being able to be on both sides now that it 's more of a holistic view that i as you were mentioning, they come in of course wanting to fix themselves physically, but they come out of it with a more holistic change, um, which is mm-hmm. great, so which means that the classes then that you offer um, it 's not just a physical thing, it can also sort of boost you mentally and emotionally as well. so talk to us about the classes that go girls boot camps offer
7: yeah so we we Offer boot camp style which is really circuit training and uh, what's great you come in for an hour um, Everything is sort of set up with for you um, We put you into groups. We demo the um, the exercises and it's a combination of uh, cardio weights, so that's something that I think our boot camp is sort of really moved to because at one time Women shied away from working with weights, so maybe gaining muscle and gaining that strength, thinking that it would bulk them up, not really seeing the advantage to what um, that strength training does. Um, We've come to learn that that's actually one of the best ways to weight loss, um, putting more muscle on the body. Uh, So our classes are basically boot camp style. We work with battle ropes prowlers, you know, uh, dumbbells, um, kettlebells, Uh, we do um, a lot of plyometrics as well, as I said, cardio-based, we have rowers, so our classes are set, Uh, we also offer a kickboxing class, and we do have some yoga, which we really like to push as well, because we think that that helps the flexibility in the body, and it's great for the mind as well, and just to uh, really get you relaxed and uh, more focused into the body and uh we yeah and we've started sculpt classes so these sculpt classes are more muscle concentration which is weight training and and uh are a great complement to the conditioning that you get from the boot camp
5: for these classes it can be anyone from no experience to extremely experienced right
7: Uh, Exactly. We modify, you know, for people that are just coming in and maybe their ability or their mobility isn't uh, uh, able to do everything. We do give modifications, but we find that it works great uh, in that we have people, like, as I said, who are, are, you could call it athletes, to people that are just starting out, and the group setting seems to really inspire and help a person to actually, um, we we find that the girls have actually been getting better quicker because of others that they have around them. So, you know, being inspired by somebody who is in your group, who is working really hard, and it works uh, the other way as well, always inspired by the, the girl that has limited ability in seeing what she um you know, working hard and seeing what she can accomplish in a short time. So we have that. We have the classes, but we, but we also offer challenges, what we call challenges, but uh, we do these six-week, and now we're going through a 12-week as well, where we do um, give people counseling for nutrition because that is a huge part of um, weight loss but also just general health.
5: Awesome. Okay, and so then where can residents then go from WarnFo? Because this sounds like a great boot camp if anyone wants to now sign up. Um, where can they go?
7: Uh, well, you, uh, we are uh, on Facebook and uh, Instagram, and our website is gogirlbootcamps.com. So if anybody wants to um, sign up, they can go, and that will lead them to a place to register and uh, we're at 39 Riviera Drive in Markham as well, Unit 1. So we, we offer a free week trial. So if anyone wants to come in for a class, no, or not, no obligation, uh, we give them seven days worth of classes for free. And I think that's a really great way to see if it's something that, uh, would appeal, would appeal to you. So.
5: Perfect. So go girls boot camp or go girl boot dot com. Awesome. Lena, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: This is the feed on one oh five nine, the region, where we share stories, issues, and events from across York region, including a visit with the world famous Harlem Globetrotters. Jim Lang gets in the game.
8: For close to a century, nobody's entertained sports fans around the world more than the Harlem Globetrotters. Names like Curly Neal and Meadowlark Lennon alongside Howard Cosell and ABC y World of Sports became synonymous with entertainment for families. And I'm thrilled to announce it's still going strong after 93 years. And the Harlem Globetrotters will be around Ontario beginning the end of March from Ottawa to places like Barrie, Mississauga, Oshawa, and all points in between. Thrilled to be speaking to a former member of the North Carolina A&T Aggies, and maybe one of the best sports teams I've ever heard, Zeus McClurkin. Zeus, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, Jim. How's it going
8: today? Oh, good, good, good. Um, How does a kid who was cut from every basketball team he was a member of during middle school and early high school become a member of the Globetrotters?
1: Wow, that's how we're doing it. Right off the bat, just bringing up the pass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it wasn't wasn't always uh, easy playing basketball when I was younger, my my coaches and my teammates all said the same thing to me when I did finally make my first team. They said I was too nice, and they said in order to be good in basketball, you got to have a killer instinct and um, this mean streak, which I never developed. Um, I'm a minister at my church gym, so I'm a naturally nice person. I was the type of person if I foul you, I apologize for it, and and my coaches hated that about me. Um, I had one guy tell me too when I was growing up, he just said, all you ever do is smile and dunk, smile and dunk. That's all you ever want to do, and today, that's the very thing I get paid to do. So the Harlem Globe give me an opportunity to be that natural basketball player that I've always wanted to be and uh be myself on the court.
8: Well Zeus, the the reason I brought it up at first is because what you do off the court is helping thousands of kids across the world, across North America who get told the same thing. And you're like you're I like the message you're sending out there that you can be nice and, and succeed in life.
1: Yeah, and I tell kids that all over the place. If you're a nice person, stay a nice person. Don't let people try to change you and tell you that you have to be mean in order to make it in this world. There's a place in this world for you. And the Harlem Globetrotters was that was that spot for me.
8: You are extremely educated with more degrees than I have fingers. It, it blows my mind. So, And you could do anything you want in life. What drew you to the Globetrotters, knowing you had so many options after you got your master's degree?
1: It's the impact that the Globetrotters have. Uh We've been around for the last 93 years. Um, we've been to 123 countries and provinces around the world. I personally have now been to 25 countries um, around the world. And if you would have told me when I was younger that I would have an opportunity to travel the world and play the sport that I love, you know, I would have thought you were crazy, but this this is really a thing people pay you to do, and I'm I'm having a ball doing it. So uh, the reason I've chosen to stay with the Harlem Globetrotters for the last eight years is because of the impact we have. Everywhere we go, uh, you know, we're spreading uh, smiles and putting smiles on people's faces everywhere, and I think that's pretty cool.
8: Well, and in today's society, Zeus, we could use a little bit of that around the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, now for people who don't realize it, I mean, everyone who is part of the Harlem Globetrotters Brings a unique skill. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've seen Lily Champ Thompson a, a dribble, and it's phenomenal. But you, I mean, this is this is incredible. You hold the Guinness World Record, 16 dunks in a minute. Now, uh, growing up, Dominique Wilkins, M.J., Vince Carter, incredible. They can't do that. How did you develop that skill, Zeus?
1: Man, man, I guess I just got big lungs. Um So this is <laughs> really tough, too. So every year, uh Guinness World Records reaches out to the Harlem Globetrotters, and they ask if there's any records that we'd be willing to break, or maybe they'll submit some records that haven't been broken in a while. And um this one came across my desk, and they told me, hey, you'd be perfect for it, because I love to dunk. Um What they didn't tell me is that in between every attempt of the dunking record, I had to run uh behind the free throw line in between every attempt. So 16 times I had to run behind the free throw line during that one minute span, and it was tough. But I was able to do it and knock it out. Uh,
8: and this is the kind of thing I like. It's it's serious basketball points, but it's it's engaging kids and engaging families. Uh, it's family entertainment when it's hard to find. And uh, it, I mean, the, the, whatever you get paid, who cares? But sometimes I must think, Zeus, for you and the members of the team, the smiles in your faces—they got to be priceless.
1: Absolutely, and we feed off of that energy um, from the crowd. You know, one thing, too, about our games is you don't have to be a basketball fan to enjoy our games. You just got to want to come on out and uh, have a good time with your family. So you can leave this cold weather outside, Come on inside
8: and have a great time with this. You think this is cool? You should have been here a month ago. Uh, you can get details and tickets. At, he's like, no, thank you. At harlemglobetrotters.ca, the tour begins March 31st in Ottawa and continues through places like Barrie, Mississauga, Toronto, and Oshawa. You can follow them on Twitter, at Uh Part of being a Harlem Globetrotter is you meet world leaders, you meet celebrities. Were there are certain people you've met in your travels and your journey zoos that even you were like, wow, this is kind of cool?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I've met some of the greatest basketball players of all time. I got a chance to take Stephen Curry through the three-man weave, which the Harlem Globetrotters popularized in the late 20s and early 30s. And he picked it up like it was nothing. And he, I mean, he was just doing these tricks in between <laughs> things that veterans don't, don't do until, you know, they're five, six years in the game. And he picked it up like immediately. And it was great. I met, um, Clay Thompson. We introduced him to the four-point line. Uh, which is 30 feet away from the basket, and he that's basically a layup for him. So uh, it's pretty cool, man. A lot of these things that you see in the NBA and you see in these other leagues, the Harlem Globetrotters popularized and we brought to the game of basketball, the slam dunk, the alley-oop, the three-man
8: weave, the three-point shot, and hopefully soon the four-point shot. Uh, speaking with Zeus McClurkin, uh, one of the star members of the Harlem Globetrotters, um, uh, did, I have to ask you, did you ever see them live or watch them on TV when you were growing up, Zeus?
1: Yeah, when I was a kid, um, I never really heard about the Harlem Globetrotters. I saw them on Scooby-Doo, but... I oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I didn't realize that was a real team. You know, Batman is on Scooby-Doo. That's not a real person, so <laughs> I was like, this, this isn't a real team. It was only later on in life that I would come to find out that they were indeed real, and when I made the team, it was a dream come true.
8: The first time you stepped on the court as an official member of the Globetrotters, and you're wearing that famous uniform, what was going through your mind?
1: Um, I just didn't want to blow it. <laughs> like, um, the Globetrotters, we haven't lost the game to the Washington General since 1971. And I, I mean, there's, there's a nice, rich history on your shoulders. As soon as you step on that court, you know, not, not only is it fun, but, you know, it's a great responsibility. You're holding 93 years of history on your shoulders. And I, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I did, I did the job
8: well. Well, Zeus, I, I mean, this has been a real pleasure for me to speak to you, and I, I think people like Curly Neola Meadowlark Lemon would be darn proud to hear and see you in action. You're doing the Harlem Globetrotters legend proud um, by interacting with the people and speaking to boneheads like me who just wish they could dribble Zeus. once in their life like a member of the Globetrotters. Zeus, I really appreciate this. Continued success and enjoy your tour of Canada.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'll see you at the game.
8: We'll do, Zeus. Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Now for your chance to win tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters in Toronto on April 7th, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at 1059 The Region to enter. And that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the feed, head over to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Tina Cortez. Thanks for listening.